If you would, remain standing. Turn in your pew Bible to page 1,652. 1,652. We're reading John chapter 4, verses 25 through 34. This is an excerpt out of the passage of the woman at the well. Verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Well, they came out of town, and they made their way to him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. You may be seated. I figure since it's Super Bowl Sunday, we'll talk about fasting. Right? What way to drive a point home, huh? So, as you can see, and I've checked to see if there's any Gatorade around, Terry. And, and just in case anybody doesn't know, Terry posted this thing on Facebook about this Sunday, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, when the preacher makes a point, dump Gatorade on his head. So I lovingly said that, don't worry, your pastor's not making any points this Sunday. That's not true. I'm ready to get saturated. No, not at all. <clears throat> fasting, we've been talking about fasting. And our passage out of John chapter 4 is playing into this, and it will play into this. But fasting, we talked a little bit about it two weeks ago. But what it boils down to is that fasting is self-denial for a deeper relationship with God. That's, that's your sermon in a sentence. Fasting is self-denial for a deeper relationship with God. A couple weeks, when we were here together a couple weeks ago, we talked about several different fasts throughout Scripture. One is in Esther, Esther chapter 4, where they fasted for three days because Esther was putting herself in a position to where she could be killed. She was going to go before the king, and she was going uninvited. That could end her life and end her life quickly. But they called for a fast for people not to eat for three days and three nights. Daniel, Daniel chapter 1, they fasted for 10 days. Now, Daniel and all of these captives were brought into Babylon. And they had sorted through all of these different people and they had set aside what they felt were the choice people to serve in the king's regime in Babylon. And so for that to happen, they were to eat from the king's table, all the king's choice foods. 
And Daniel was, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're not going to eat of the king's choice foods. We're going to eat vegetables and drink water. And we're going to eat what our God has made. And you'll see in 10 days who looks better. So for 10 days, they ate fruits and vegetables and drank water. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked better than those eating the king's food. Still throughout Scripture, we get into a lot of other different fasts. Again, Daniel, in Daniel chapter 10, fasted for 21 days. This is where we see a significant role of fasting in spiritual warfare. We see it here, and then we see it in the New Testament in Mark chapter 9. But here, Daniel had been fasting, asking for an answer from the Lord. That also gives you insight into why you fast. Because you have a question. Or you need guidance. Or you need God to talk to you and share with you. Not talk to you, communicate with you. God does more than just talk, doesn't he? He communicates with us in many, many different ways. That's why we have five senses. So he can communicate to us in all of those different ways. So God communicates to us. True? One way to get that connection deeper and for that to happen is to fast. And Daniel was in for it for 21 days. In Daniel chapter 10, an angel is sent from heaven with an answer to come to Daniel. But he is stopped. The prince of Persia stops him. Not physical. Because the physical prince of Persia is not going to stop an angel, correct? So it was another force. It was a demonic force. And those names are listed in Ephesians. Power, principality, rulers of darkness. So in Daniel chapter 10, you have a spiritual war taking place between an angel and a principality. So there's a fight going on back and forth. Daniel's fasting allowed that to break, and his answer came to him. So spiritual warfare includes fasting. The same reason why Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, talking to his disciples, when a young man was brought to him with a demonic spirit, possessing him, throwing him into the fire, throwing him into water, foaming at the mouth, and Jesus says to his disciples, these only come out by prayer and fasting. It's like the one-two punch, so to say. Moses, Exodus chapter 34, 40 days, meeting with God. Got the Ten Commandments. Elijah, 40 days, Mount Carmel defeating the prophets of Baal, Queen Jezebel wanting to kill him, but God empowered him to travel for 40 days without food and water. Jesus, 40 days, and I had mentioned Mark chapter 9. There's several other places in Scripture that talk about fasting and the purposes of them. Spiritual warfare, asking for guidance, healing, a number, a number of different reasons why we fast. But all of those things aren't for God to do something for us. Okay? God is not a vending machine. You don't put in two quarters and get B4 because you want juicy fruit gum. That's not how God works. It's about relationship. 
It's about relationship. And as the further we talk about fasting, we begin to realize and understand that it's, it's a point, at a point, it's, a, it's like a sacrifice. It's like a sacrifice. So if you look at the Old Testament and you understand that there was requirement of fasting in the Old Testament, but when people fasted, they also would come and sacrifice. And they would bring to the priests their best. So you have these herds. You bring the best out of your flock or out of your herd to get sacrificed. That would be something like the phrase, give till it hurts. If you took the best of what you had, and you brought it to the Lord, what would that look like? I'm about to take the offering up again. Give till it hurts. What would the offering plate look like? That's what sacrifice was in the Old Testament. You gave. You gave the best of what you had for God to do what He wanted to do through it and with it. So we have to translate in our minds to go from, okay, what is the best cow that I've got or the best lamb and sheep and ram that I have? What am I willing to give so that I can have the relationship with God that I want? We have the relationship with God that we want. You have it. Maybe how much you want it needs to change. We make sacrifices for our, those things that are important to us, don't we? We make sacrifices for our family. We make sacrifices for our children. We make sacrifices for us personally. We make sacrifices for those things that mean the most to us. Where does your relationship with God fit into that? At the end of the last time we were together, we were talking about me going through fasting. 40 days was one of them. And it was through that time that I realized that <laughs> I realized a few things. One, I realized how much power a Dorito has. Right? I mean, 14 days in and you smell nacho cheese? Come on. What you you look at who you are, you find out who you are. I would, I would kill for a Dorito. Don't get in between me and that bag. And we can laugh about those things, but it's true. How much drive do we get? And partly it wasn't even that. I needed the crunch. 
Does anybody else just love crunchy stuff? It's like, you, I love that crunch. And I didn't realize how much I love that crunch. I love that crunch more than I love Jesus. Come on, church. What's yours? You have something that you love more than Him. And it's my journey in walking through all of that and writing it down and having to admit, I love Doritos more than I love Jesus. I love curlers and coffee more than I love Jesus. I would drive home and, and purposefully go, I cannot drive past the bakery just so I could smell it. Because my nose loved that aroma more than I love Jesus. And it comes to a point when, when we need to be serious about the one who died for us. And those things in our lives that keep us from stepping into that deeper relationship have to be slain. They have to be slain. This is why we read the passage from the woman at the well this morning. Because Jesus was talking to a woman and he was sharing with her all the things that he knew about her and all the things that she had done. And he hadn't eaten. But his disciples went to town to go get something to eat. And he comes, they come back to him. And they're like, here, we got you something to eat. I'm not hungry right now. I'm doing something that is so important to me, that is part of who I am, that is part of my calling. I don't have time to eat. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I, I, I don't have time to eat. I'm too busy working on this stuff at work. I don't have time to eat. I've got to run here. I've got time to eat. I have to go do this. Now you were being about, and, and I'm included in that, we get to be and we get into being about our business. Because that's the most important. That's what I'm focused on. That's what needs to be handled. And Jesus was about his business. It's interesting because his interaction with the woman at the well is the exact same thing that he told us to be doing as his disciples, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to baptize, right? So his, what he's doing is an example of what we should be about. And he looks at that and he goes, I'm not hungry. I have food that you know nothing about. Really. This church is a feast. This is a feast. This is why Jesus calls himself the what of life? Bread. Because you get into connection with him, and he, you can feed off of him forever. There are things that you get from him. That's why they, even in scripture, Paul calls it the milk of the word, which is more of the easier things. 
and the meat of the word. Have you ever had somebody share something with you? It doesn't have to be spiritual, but they share something with you, uh, a quote or a phrase or a thought for you to think on, and you go, man, that's like chewing on a porterhouse. Man, that's a whole lot of meat there. That's going to take me a while to, what, digest. And that's what this is. The Word of God, Word, Rhema, spoken Word of God that comes through the Holy Spirit that lives in your heart. Logos, written Word of God that you hold in your hands. That is food. And it will feed you spiritually, so much so that you can step away from this to pursue that. And it's not always easy. Because you begin to find out things about yourself. God reveals things to you about you that need to be removed so that there's more open communication. There's more open relationship. But at points, I, at the very beginning of my journey with all of this, I found myself praying, please, God, help me seek and want a relationship with you more than other things in my life. Because right now, I'm not doing a good job. I am too focused on other things, and that needs to change. And clearly, I cannot do it by myself. So I need your help. It's being raw and real with God and letting a door be open so that He can flow into it and take you where you need to go. And you'll find, I found that I was chasing so many things that were empty. So many things. And it's, it's interesting because I can even look at when I was doing ministry, for example, in North Carolina, and I was running soup kitchen and all down there. You know what? I got caught up into how many meals we're feeding. It's not, it wasn't about the people anymore. So when I say, you know, I, I, was, I was focused on the wrong things, you know, I'm not out running around on my wife, and I'm not out drinking it up and in the bars all night long. It's, I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about simple things that we get off focus with. And it's like, no, God's like, I want to refine that in you so that when you pursue this relationship with me, we're going to get somewhere. We're going to understand relationship between the two of us. To understand that self-denial is sacrifice for something that is much greater. And we, we say those things. We say that you know God is he's amazing and He can do anything and all that stuff, but when's the last time that you have seen God grab your impossible, break it in half, and put Himself on display? Our impossibles is simply a stage for Jesus to dance across. 
but we don't give them to Him. We don't give Him room to dance, and we need to. So what is it in your life that is more important than your relationship with Him? Call it out. Call it out and put it in His hands. You aren't able to break it. He can. Trust Him with it. Fasting takes you there. Fasting reveals more than you would ever want to know about yourself. But everything that's revealed about you, God already knows. He already knows how to fix it, to redeem it, to restore it, to repair it. God already knows. Let Him. Let Him. That is one of the powers of fasting. This is one of the tools of the trade. We talk about wanting to become. We want to talk about how we take all of our gifts and our talents and we become these people that God's created us to be and designed us to be. One of your tools is fasting. I didn't bring my book. Um, Spiritual Disciplines. That's the name of the book. Spiritual Disciplines. I'll bring it next week so I can show you guys. I'll have a copy of it. It talks a lot about all of what we're going to be talking about. Prayer, Bible reading, fasting, um, journaling, solitude, being quiet. Um, all of those things. And it's a great, great resource, a great, great help. But um, fasting. Find out what it is. You may already know. What is your thing that it is time to put on the altar of sacrifice so that the relationship with God becomes priority. Father, Lord God, we thank you for our time together and how much you love us. Lord, we are thankful for you. But God, I just ask that you make our hearts passionate for you. Father, of all the things that we come together and we pray for, and we have watched you move miraculously in the physical things, we are so thankful and so grateful for those. But Father, spiritually, we ask you to make our hearts passionate for you. Passionate. Father, even if it's in the quiet of our own home, in our bedroom, in our living room, in in our quiet place, that, Father, our hearts just pour out to you behind closed doors, but well open in the throne room of heaven. God, we ask your spirit to move and to draw us close to you. Father, I also ask that you give, that you give each one of us someone to talk to. That as your fire of the Holy Spirit burns in our hearts and draws us closer to you, Father, that you bring someone 
alongside us to be able to talk to, to journey with, to walk with, to ask our questions, to get feedback, but someone that will walk with us and will pray with us as our lives shift and change. Lord, we do love you. And God, I pray that you teach us to worship you more than what we do today. In Jesus' name, amen.